Welcome to First Formation, spiritual exercise for Christian soldiers looking to get the fuck up and pray. Join Pew Pew HQ every weekday morning to hear the good news through grunts and with grunts in the unity of the Holy Spirit as one church forever and ever. Fall in. Psalm 38, verses 10 through 20. I said, In the prime of my life must I go through the gates of death and be robbed of the rest of my years. I said, I will not again see the Lord himself in the land of the living. No longer will I look on my fellow man or be with those who now dwell in this world. Like a shepherd's tent, my house has been pulled down and taken from me. Like a weaver, I have rolled up my life, and he has cut me off from the loom. Day and night you made an end of me. I waited patiently till dawn, but like a lion he broke all my bones. Day and night you made an end of me. I cried like a swift or thrush. I moaned like a mourning dove. My eyes grew weak as I looked at the heavens. I'm being threatened. Lord, come to my aid. But what can I say? He has spoken to me, and he himself has done this. I'll walk humbly all my years because of this anguish of my soul. Lord, by such things people live, and my spirit finds life in them too. You restored me to health and let me live. Surely it was for my benefit that I suffered such anguish. In your love you kept me from the pit of destruction. You have put all my sins behind your back. For the grave cannot praise you. Death cannot sing your praise. Those who go down to the pit cannot hope for your faithfulness. The living, the living, they praise you, as I am doing today. Parents tell their children about your faithfulness. The Lord will save me, and we will sing with stringed instruments all the days of our lives in the temple of the Lord. Judges chapter 15, verses 9 through 20. The Philistines went up and camped in Judah, spread out near Lehi. The people of Judah asked, Why have you come to fight us? We have come to take Samson prisoner, they answered, to do to him as he did to us. Then three thousand men from Judah went down to the cave in the rock of Etom and said to Samson, Don't you realize that the Philistines are rulers over us? What have you done to us? He answered, I merely did to them what they did to me. They said to him, We've come to tie you up and hand you over to the Philistines. Samson said, Swear to me that you won't kill me yourselves. Agreed, they answered. We will only tie you up and hand you over to them. We will not kill you. So they bound him with two new ropes and led him up from the rock. As he approached Lehi, the Philistines came toward him, shouting. The Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him. The ropes on his arms became like charred flax, and the bindings dropped from his hands. Finding a fresh jawbone of a donkey, he grabbed it and struck down a thousand men. Then Samson said, With the donkey's jawbone I have made donkeys of them. With the donkey's jawbone I have killed a thousand men. When he finished speaking, he threw away the jawbone, and the place was called Ramoth-Lehi. Because he was very thirsty, he cried out to the Lord, You have given your servant this great victory. Must I now die of thirst and fall into the hands of the uncircumcised? Then God opened up the hollow place in Lehi, and water came out of it. When Samson drank, his strength returned, and he survived. So the spring was called En-Hakor, and it is still there in Lehi. Samson led, Samson led Israel for 20 years in the days of the Philistines.
The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 17, verses 14 through 21. When they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy upon my son, he said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. You unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of the boy, and he was healed at that moment. Then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, Why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, Because you have so little faith. Truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, Move from here to here, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Good morning, and welcome to the 14th Wednesday after Pentecost. This is Brother Logan Isaac broadcasting from Walkersville, Maryland. This morning's readings come to us from Isaiah uh, 38, Judges 15, and Matthew 17. I first have to say thank you to uh, my listeners for um, the grace and bearing with an extended uh, absence from the podcast. Uh, just as a brief update, uh, I don't remember if I mentioned it or not, but um, my partner's grandmother died, and so we had to fly back with uh, with the kids and find a border for the dogs, uh, and then she led uh, the burial and the memorial service. And we were back yesterday, but everybody slept in because we were on a different time zone. But this morning I'm back. appreciate everybody's patience and uh, your continued support of the podcast, even just by listening. Um, but anyway, in um, this morning's readings, um, the the emphasis on Samson when I was a kid uh, didn't mention that he was kind of an asshole. And the text makes it really obvious, like really obvious. Um, and it, he's not someone that we are called to, to emulate. Um, he is someone that God worked through. Um, that received God's spirit because of the prayer of his mother, who was barren. And as is a recurring theme in the Old Testament, a woman was barren, she cried out to God for a child, and in her case, she said, if you give me a child, I will dedicate it to the Lord uh, for their entire life. And that's what happens. And Samson becomes uh, a Nazarite. Um and I talk about Nazarite in uh, God is a Grunt. It's really fascinating to me because um, of the connections that it has with Jesus' hometown, um, which at the time uh, when Jesus walked to the earth, we aren't sure that it was called Nazareth. Um, the first text that we have that calls that city Nazareth is actually the book of Mark, the gospel of Mark. Um, and... Uh, that's 50 or 60 A.D. it was written. And so before that, we don't know what the people who lived in that little village called it. Um, scientists believe it had about 500 people there. Um, it was, you know, there's architectural remains. We know it existed. But it, we don't know what it was really called other than the Christian New Testament, which calls it uh, Nazara in Greek. And Nazara and Nazarene are the Greek are really closely 
associated with each other, and it means the consecrated ones. And uh, Samson was one of these consecrated ones. Um, and so it's a place, as in Nazareth. Um, it's a military town. It was the heart of the land of Naphtali, uh, which was one of the military tribes of Judah. Um, but it's also a, uh, a form of piety, a distinct form of piety. And uh, Nazarites, uh, I, I can't remember, can't remember what it is in Hebrew, um, but it is, uh, it's basically the name for a, a vow that one is allowed to take. It's, it's outlined in Numbers 6. And Nazarites have to make a public profession that they are taking vows, um, and they, in doing so, they, they vow to God, usually for a limited time. And you don't have to state how long it is. It might just, you know, you hiccup on a Sunday and you think, okay, I'm done being a Nazarite and you're done. Um, but in order to begin your vows, you have to make a public profession with a priest. Um, and then part of the life of a Nazarite is to not touch a dead body, uh, not to have strong drink, and to not cut your hair. Those are the three vows. And um, if you want to end the vows, you make another public profession, and then at your earliest convenience, you arrange with a priest to make uh, a, a couple of sacrifices, um, and you cut your hair, and you put your hair in the fire for the sacrifice that you're about to eat. So you're eating like hair-singed, lamb chops basically it sounds disgusting but anyway and as soon as you cut your hair and you eat the meat you're no longer a Nazarite your vows are complete in some cases as in Samson and some people have said Samuel but I don't remember for sure um, Samson was a lifelong Nazarite and it was a vow taken by his mother not him um, and it's supposed to be for this for uh, people who want to be particularly pious. Um, usually in the Bible, it's God that makes things holy. A great example of that is Sunday. God made Sunday holy, and he rested on Sunday, on the seventh day. It's usually God that does these things. But for someone who wants to voluntarily enter into holiness, the Nazarite vows allow for that. Um, in fact, there's, uh, there's a Task and Purpose article not too long ago about uh, this guy, I can't remember where, some soldier out in like Wyoming or something, National Guardsman, I think, um, who got a special uh, religious exemption to not cut his hair because he was taking the vow of a Nazarite as outlined in number six. And he's a Christian, um, not a Jew. Uh, but so there's the, it's pretty awesome that the that <laughs> our military makes an exemption if you want to be a Nazarite and you don't want to cut your hair. But that also means you're not going to drink and not touch dead bodies. But anyway, um, what we see in Samson, however, is not someone who volunteers for piety. It's not someone who feels compelled or obligated to any kind of special devotion to God. Um, he is the devotion to God um, on his mother's behalf. Um, and when, you know, when you uh, receive that kind of um, blessing or power or whatever, 
but it isn't something that you agreed to. Um, the uh, the ease with which you can abuse it is can be startling, and that's what Samson does. And he, um, the you know this part, this particular passage is about you know killing a thousand men with a donkey's jawbone, and he sings a song, and he's just being gen- generally an asshole. Um, he kills a thousand men who come to deal out justice, um, and he uses this kind of circular um, reasoning. You know, they did it to me first, and they had already said that they he had done it to them first, and it's like the circular reasoning that just allows, justifies anything, right? Even killing a thousand men with a fucking a dead donkey's jawbone, which, by the way, makes you wonder if he's not violating uh, one of the vows of a Nazarite by touching the, you know, clearly the part of a corpse of a dead animal. Um, and... Uh, this circular reasoning is used a lot in the military. You know, uh, 9-11 is this perfect example of they did it to us first. Well, the 9-11 hijackers thought that America did it, had done it to them first, that we had, you know, uh, empowered the Mujahideen and, and were residing in Holy Land in Saudi Arabia. You know, when things don't have to make sense, when you just have to say something, circular reasoning is a great place to start that you made me do the thing that I'm going to do, which is ridiculous. Nobody makes you do something yourself voluntarily. No one made Samson kill a bunch of people with a donkey's jawbone. Um, and it's also true that um, you know the Philistines didn't make them do something, but um, you know this, uh, the circular reasoning of they did it first does not always have to include the um, and, and, and they made me do it. But it's a kissing cousin of that kind of thought process of I am not responsible for my actions. They are responsible. It's, it's basically finger-pointing, and it really is a little more than that. Um, and it's unfortunate that so much of that kind of rationale fuels military intervention, fuels you know, you know, just normal everyday violence, um, you did it, you did something first, and so now it's my turn to do something back. Um, that's literally what my three and five year old, two and five year old, will say. Like, I they started it, right? What the fuck are you talking about? They started it. Then you can stop it. Um, but uh, the the difficulty that I've had with Samson um, is what does it mean to be pious? He was brought into piety by his mother's promise. And he doesn't reflect piety so much. Uh, He didn't feel what it felt for her to be childless. He only felt the power that God gave him, the power that um, God gave Samson um, because of his mother's plea. The, The disconnect that's so prevalent in our lives between suffering and what suffering might lead us to and, and how suffering might be alleviated, that disconnect fuels so much, you know, horseshit. Um, and I think that's why um, it's good theologically uh, to be a grunt, to know what it means to suffer, to be willing to suffer, um, not to reciprocate that suffering, um, but to know what it means to not have, to know what it means to have things taken away, to not have what you need, uh, and still be willing to pick up your your pack 
and, and move out, draw fire. A prayer for the poor and neglected from the Book of Common Prayer. Almighty and most merciful God, we remember before you all poor and neglected persons whom it would be easy for us to forget. The homeless and the destitute, the old and the sick, and all who have none to care for them. Help us to heal those who are broken in body or spirit and to turn their sorrow into joy. Grant this, Father, for the love of your Son, who for our sake became poor, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you for falling into First Formation, where Pew Pew HQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hardy folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. If you like what you've heard, you can participate in one of the three following ways. First, you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash pewpewhq. You can contribute as little as a dollar a month, and you can cancel at any time if I ever piss you off. Second, you can become a co-host by recording a lectionary reading for a future episode. Instructions will be provided, and you don't have to be a grunt to collaborate with Pew Pew HQ in this or any way. Finally, you can also record and send prayer requests of a minute or less. Prayers can be included in the episode, read anonymously if you wish, or kept private for me to pray for off-air. So there you have it, three ways to participate in First Formation. I hope you'll continue to listen, even if I can't convince you to jump in. This has been Brother Logan Isaac, always faithful, always family. Semper Familia.